It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Saturday morning. It is time for the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The gang is all here. Some of them actually look rested. Others don't. <laughs> 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. And of course, so many things to discuss, so many things in the news. And if there are things that came up during the week that you could not weigh in on, but you want to weigh in on, today is your day. There was a story, it's a perennial story, and I got a lot of pushback from it after the show was over and continues through the week. This story uh, <clears throat> was about women and men, of course, relationship story, how men are still not doing their part of the child rearing and health and, and, and house stuff, you know, even though in some cases women are the breadwinners and actually earning more than men. And uh, I had a great comment from a young lady who, who texted me and said, you know, the guys on your show, these are a bunch of guys. Maybe you need to have a regular, stay with all show, a woman in there to help steer you guys sometimes because you're off track. You people don't know what you're talking about, and you're making us angry out here. Uh, no thanks, honey. Um Yes, dear. Okay, we'll consider it. Uh, so that was one. <laughs> We're going to, uh, of course, speak with Derek Hunter. There is a huge story today about the, uh, I'm sure you know about this, Scott. I'm sure that you've seen Russian TV reports about the uh, intelligence leak here in the United States and the fact that. You know, I haven't. And I, now that you mention it, I'm going to seek shame. them out. I'm going to seek them out immediately following today's broadcast. Shame on you not telling us what the Russians think of all of this. I didn't think of that. See, That's... Scott was complaining earlier because I, you know, I handed him a few stories. I about, said, about sexual aberrants, yes. And he says, why do you always give me the... The, the sexual aberrant stories. Because you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. He's got the highest voice in the room. Have him, he can, he can kind of be like a girl, so he can do the sex stories, and he almost gives the other perspective, but not quite. I think we need to start giving Avery the sex stories because Avery gets more <laughs> uh, attention no, than no, anybody. No, 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 Avery's got to respond to the sex stories. That's his place. Okay. He's because nobody, because everybody wants to know what Avery thinks. That's the first question. What does Avery think about this one? <laughs> um, okay. There is a, uh, but, 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 I was going somewhere with this. The intelligence. Now, this new, two things have happened in the intelligence thing. I can't wait to speak with Derek about this. Number one, the New York Times military correspondent is, a, is, is critical of his own newspaper. He says, you know, he says the reporters for the New York Times were working feverishly to identify who this leaker was, which is contrary to the way they behave when documents are leaked to them. They do everything they can to protect the leak in that case. So he's noticing the little hypocrisy from the old gray lady. 
The other thing is these documents reveal, and this might come as no surprise, that the Joe Biden administration knew about these Chinese. There were four other of these spy satellites that the Joe Biden administration knew about. And here they were. Remember how active they how they were surprised? Oh, goodness, what's that little white ball floating up in the... What's that happy balloon up there? We don't know where it came from. The Wilbur, where did it come from? They knew. They were lying the whole time. They knew. But, of course, that shouldn't surprise you. And these stories, by the way, of Joe Biden over there, his second coming in Ireland. Oh, he fits right in. Politico had a piece. The only question was, is he going to stay there forever? He just melded right in the most Irish of all Irish presidents. How come he's not going to the coronation for King Ally over there in England, huh? Those are just some of the questions. As usual, the trans stack is just unbelievable today. You know, I've never, I'm never going to understand this. I do understand it, but I don't. How many transvestites are there actually or trans people in the country? How many? Uh, are there like a million, maybe whatever? And then how many people are there? The trans stack would have you believe, if someone just landed here from another planet, which, by the way, seemingly possible these days, more and more reports about the U.S. foes and the kooks are having a, a ball with uh, The kooks are in heaven right now because they, the kooks are saying everything that we predicted is right. Screw you. We're not the kooks. You are. Um, anyway. If someone landed here from another planet right now, they would think that over half the population of the United States is trans. And the biggest thing in the world, the, the, the most, the thing that concerns most Americans are transvestite issues. The stack is endless. So to, and today there's a uh, there's a there's one of the stories about the the Biden executive. This oh, I didn't even cover it. You saw, I'm sure, didn't you guys? At the uh, remember that guy Sam Sam Britton, the guy who was running around stealing everybody's luggage. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. The Biden administration dressing up and he would take these people's expensive luggage apparently steal the clothes out of them, the female clothes, parade them around like no one's going to notice that this guy's wearing my stuff. And my makeup. And my makeup. Well, anyway, he, he, he received a sentence. He's not going to jail. All he's got to do is pay re- restitution. Of course he's not going to jail. When do Democrats ever throw other Democrats in jail? It really has to be bad. For a Democrat, or, or if they do throw them in jail, when do they make them stay in jail? So, of course, he's not going to do jail time. I mean, he's only running around stealing people's luggage, parading around as the. And this guy was entrusted high level in Joe Biden's administration. What was his title again? He was uh, some director of energy stuff that held to deal with um, n- nuclear stuff and energy. Oh. And, uh, you know, just, you know, 
He should have been the head of luggage, but he wasn't. Uh, uh, Montana. You hear this? Montana is banning TikTok. I want to know. I just have one question. Okay, the state of Montana has now banned TikTok. TikTok is illegal in Montana. Is it illegal or is it just illegal for elected officials to use? Montana became the first state in the nation yesterday to pass a bill banning TikTok from operating in the state. TikTok no longer, if this thing gets signed, the governor there is a Republican. I don't know how to pronounce his name, and I could make a really bad mistake if I pronounce it the way it looks to me. Okay. Hey, l- let me look it up. Okay. Because I want to say that his name is... Schweitzer. No, Greg Gina Forty or something like that. Giny. You're talking about the, the governor of Montana? Yeah, Giny. Is it not Governor Brian Schweitzer? Look at the news story. Oh. Maybe Derek knows. Derek. G- Gianforte? This guy? I want to say Giny. Okay. <laughs> Derek, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Greg Gianforte. See, Greg, I, I knew we could depend on Derek. He probably knows the guy. I was the press secretary for the United States Senate, one of the United States senators from Montana in 2006, so I've been there a bit. See, what did I tell you? Derek is the insider's insider's insider. Derek, how are they, gonna, how are they going to um, enforce this ban? against TikTok in Montana. It's you can't use it. If if if, if Governor Jiney signs this, how are they going to um how are they gonna enforce it? Governor Jiney. Um theoretically <laughs> theoretically there are uh, portals, nodes to access the internet all across the country and in again theoretically the government could a state government could control what passes through those nodes realistically they probably won't because they're owned and operated by private companies so this is what would fall under the mostly symbolic thing i'm not sure what the penalty would be if they arrest you for cow tipping or whatever goes on in it's cow tipping and meth are the two big pastimes in montana Uh, (laughs) you, you uh and they search your phone and find tiktok on it Theoretically, I suppose you'd be grandfathered in if you had had it before this became law, but if you downloaded it afterwards, um, somebody would have to be charged. It would have to be a punishment. Realistically, there's no way to enforce this. This is more symbolic than anything else, but it is to send a message that, uh, hey, kids, you probably don't want to give our enemies an oppo research file on everything because while it may not seem like a big deal when you're 17 years old, when you're 35, you might, I don't know, be embarrassed by some of the nude pics you sent back and forth on your phone or what have you. So ultimately, I suspect that this is unenforceable, and uh, that's it. I mean, I guess you could also go to Apple and Google and say, you know, geographically, you know where your users are, 
and within this geographic region, you have to remove it from your app store, and so it's not available for download. They could do they, that, I, but I, don't I, think, think, a I think State Google and Apple the, would go, go chase yourself. I don't think a state has the power to regulate that. I don't think they have the power to do it, but that doesn't stop anything. I want to see the first arrest. I want to see the first arrest for TikToking. <laughs> I got arrested for TikToking. What are you in for, pal? <laughs> Murder. You? <laughs> I did a 30-second dance video of me flossing. It was, I know. put TikTok in the soup. <laughs> They caught me. Oh, boy. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are going to come back. Derek Hunter is here with us. The gang is here. Avery's here. Diego's here. Scott's here. We need a woman. We need a woman. That's what I've heard. We need a woman. I'll identify as a woman. (laughs) Okay. We need women on this show because we are... We need a woman. Wait. God. That's just how I touch it. Yeah, it is, actually. And Derek even knew who it was. Did you use the dance to this one? No. I... No. No. Well, you can do it now. James Golden, A.K. Sure Snyder, we're coming back right after this. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Now you're going to say you don't remember this song. I don't remember this song. It's from like 1984 or 5. It sounds like something they left off the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop because it sucked. Might have been a soundtrack for Beverly Hills Cop. What in the... Who in the... (laughs) Is this like a new ad for Budweiser or something? Seriously, who is, what is this? You don't know this song. No. Uh, so is it, wait, is it Audio Abortion by uh, Michael Jackson Impersonator? <laughs> Hang on, so I gotta whip out the chart positions and everything. All right. Who is it? Scritty Politti. What the hell is a Scritty Politti? I've never heard of Scritty. I know You knew Scritty like the Politti most is. obscure Howard Jones song that's ever existed. It's from 1985. Because it didn't suck. <laughs> Enough okay, of that. Could you make this one? Could you make? Could you sing this one, Derek? Because you could hear all Thank you. No, I have no the... idea what this is. I, I wouldn't make this one. I'd, I'd jump off the roof first. I'd kick my own ass. I'd probably, if I tried to make this song, I would die in a hail of Aquanet before I even got there. Asphyxiation by Aquanet. <laughs> All right, let's get to some issues here. The, the the issues, Clarence Thomas. So now Clarence Thomas, one of these this 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 by the way this bunch this Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Mm-hmm. I remember when they first came out. It's a bunch of Clinton hacks that started this thing, 
And so that just just tell you anything that they do, just look at it through that lens. I don't know whether it's still the Clinton hacks or they've replaced some of the Clinton hacks with the Obama hacks, but it was a bunch of Clinton hacks. Uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, meaning Citizens for Liberalism in Washington. They have filed an ethics something somewhere. They're demanding that the DOJ, the crooked DOJ, and uh, Supreme Court Justice, Chief Justice John Roberts, launch an investigation into Clarence Thomas over the lavish trips, yawn, that he received over a period of years, yawn, paid for by Harlan Crow, yawn, and worse, Clarence Thomas had the nerve to sell some of his real estate that he, I guess his mother's estate or something, he sold some houses, sold some of his property to Mr. Crow, and I guess that you know, selling property, selling your own property to somebody that you know somehow or another violates ethics. Friendship. Friendship is forbidden unless, you know, you're a a brony, one of those grown men who like the uh, My Little Ponies. Friendship is magic. Otherwise, friendship is forbidden. By the way, just to uh, give you a little bit of background, the guy had never had any business before the Supreme Court, so they were just literally friends, which is, again, a confusing concept to the left. But Crew, back in 2004, guess who became the chairman of the board of directors of Crew? Who? Your old pal, David Brock. Media well, well, well. for America. I don't know if he's still there, but he essentially bought the organization. He had so much money. Selling out is a, a very lucrative pastime. And so he was, in addition to being with Media Matters, was at Crew and all of his other adventures. So, yeah, you can see how it might be uh, looked at with a little bit of a jaundiced eye, that, not by MSNBC or most of the left-wing media outlets, but by normal human beings. Would smell what you usually get on a farm uh, as they read this story, but they don't give you these sorts of details. So these are the people that are not concerned that Joe Biden may have been, and his family, have had an influx of money from Ukraine, from China, and they don't wonder what the Bidens are quote-unquote selling. But we're supposed to all have our panties in a wad because Clarence Thomas sells some of his own property to a friend. And nobody's saying, you know what, he's got a a small patch of land, it's worth maybe $10,000, and suddenly this guy gave him a half a million dollars for it. Nobody's alleging that. It's... um, all on the up and up. They're just telling you that it happened, but they're doing so while maniacally twisting their mustache in a dimly lit room from below so that they look evil and they can try and infer and imply all sorts of uh, bad things. But then in order to bribe somebody, you have to have business before them. And the guy's never had business before the Supreme Court. So like, it's the worst bribe ever. Besides, he's a donor, and the donor to what? He's known him for like 40 years. Like that's, Right. Good Lord. I mean, look, you and I haven't known each other that long, but I'd, I'd buy you a sandwich, it'd be, you know, bread and lettuce, or whatever. It, we'd hang out, and I'd hook you up, or you'd hook me up, or we'd go to a movie, and one of us would and That's just how it is. Now, you extrapolate that to people who have billions of dollars, and, he, well, he bought him expensive gifts. 
Yeah, to you and me, that's an expensive gift. But if you're sitting on a couple billion bucks, it's the change in your ashtray, if they still make cars with ashtrays, to buy somebody a car. Because by the time you finish signing the paperwork, you've earned enough money to cover it. You know, it's it's about perspective, but people can't wrap their minds around these things and they just see... Oh, big money, expensive. I know people who know billionaires. I'm two degrees away from billionaires. And the one billionaire who passed away would fly, I don't know, 40 people out to their ranch in, I think it was Montana, for a week of hanging out, hunting, and just luxury. I've known a few, I know a few billionaires. And I bet you they don't go, hey, I forgot my wallet. Will you pick up the check on this one, James? Will you come on up? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, and I bet you if you you showed up and you're like, oh, sorry, I'm five minutes late. My car's acting up. It's just I got to get it to the shop. It's just a bit. There's a decent chance that they'd go, you know what? Here's here. Take the roll. Why isn't something. Lisa just the, just uh, piped in on the uh, on, on my on my uh, message account? She says. Why isn't anybody calling these attacks on Clarence Thomas out as being racist? Because he's conservative. He's not really. He's not really black. He's he's conservative. Oh, you, Leonard Jeffries, boy, oh boy. Yeah, he's and, not like and, he's, and, yeah, he's the Sun People down there. He's not one of the Sun People. They kicked him out. He's he's the Eclipse People. He's he's not allowed. Kira it's, Davis it's not, has not like he was kicked out of the Tennessee legislature or something like that. Like a real <laughs> true hero would be. For, 20 minutes of a formality. Kara Davis, who's a friend, you, you probably know Kara too. Uh, Kara has an article in the uh, in the Daily Mail today about, about uh, Hakeem Jeffries has been exposed as lying. He's been exposed as a racist. He's a defender of anti-Semites. And she asked the question, when is he, when is he going to be canceled? Yeah, what right. I love about the Hakeem Jeffries story is it's a, about an article he wrote defending his racist brother or uh, uncle, uncle, college professor Leonard Jeffries back in 1992. He wrote this long, like you're going to write a, a, an article, somebody's attacking your uncle and you're, you're used to his racism, you're raised in it, it's probably, you know, one brother isn't a Klansman and the other one is the head of the NAACP, probably not a normal family thing that belief systems are all stem from the same branch in the family tree and from the same upbringing, just some are more than others. And so you'd expect, and it's family, so you go, all right, I'm going to defend my uncle. But he threw in Louis Farrakhan in the article. So mm -hmm. you can't say, look, my uncle's a little misunderstood. My uncle's he's just one of those guys who gets excited. Maybe he doesn't think about his terms that he uses very very uh, thoroughly. But then you go, and, and then Louis Farrakhan is no anti-Semite. Like, no, wait a second. Farrakhan is unambiguous. You could say that he, that uh, Leonard Jeffrey's theories are crackpot and they, they stem from this or whatever. Louis Farrakhan is straight up, I hate the Jews. The Jews are evil. Like, there's no So is Leonard Jeffries. We played audio of it. We have the clip. Well, yeah, but it's less so. Like, you could... And Not much. Jeffries was less known to any... Is it a, a college professor in New York? Who the hell knows who he is? We used and, to play... It was before Rush the internet, so people couldn't look this stuff up. But Farrakhan yeah. would proudly go on Morton Downey Jr. and Geraldo and go, I hate the Jews. There was no... <laughs> <laughs> no ambiguity for it. So you, when you 
it could be like, all right, he's just defending his uncle. Like if my brother said something stupid, I'd defend my brother. But if my, I wouldn't defend my brother and then say, yeah, but you know, and David Duke is a bit of all right too. All it, right, let me throw something me. in the. <clears throat> let me throw something in the mix here, and this may shock you. Uh-uh. My mom used we used to have Louis Farrakhan records at the house when we were kids, before he went on his whole "I hate the Jews" trip. He was always Louis, the "I hate the Jews" thing. You just, no, no, he, he, he might wasn't, not have put Derek. it on record, but he was. There was never a point where he's like, you know what, the Jews are Derek. Right. Derek, not true. Hmm. D- Derek, when he was, when he was, this was. I learned so much about Louis Farrakhan, by the way. There's an untold story about Louis Farrakhan's involvement in the death of uh, uh, Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yes. So no, I want to put that aside. The death of Malcolm X. He didn't have a heart attack. It was the, the murder of, of Malcolm, Malcolm X. There you go. The assassination of, of Malcolm X. But Louis Farrakhan had, mm-hmm. had an album that was very popular back in the day. It was called, it was the Family Day album. And what he talked about, and this would surprise a lot of, and I'm not defending Louis. I'm just trying to uh-huh. fill out the, I'm just trying to fill out the fill some of the blanks in, as to one of the reasons why he rose, he started rising in prominence. Like where did he come from? Okay, he was a member of Elijah Muhammad's sect, and they were the Black Muslims. And for a long time, you know, people didn't know. People that didn't know about Islam thought that that they were you know, represented Islam. That's one of the things that got Malcolm X killed when Malcolm X went to Mecca and saw what real Islam was. White and guys. he came back, he's like, wait a minute, there's some white Muslims here? It's not all this racial stuff. But that's another story. But anyway... That Lewis and Farrakhan, Elijah Muhammad's illegitimate kids that uh, that too. exactly in keeping with the teachings that of too. Muhammad. That too. But Louis Farrakhan, in the very beginning, used to talk about financial and economic issues. He used to talk about how, and this is what with that whole Family Day album, how you go spend your money outside of your own community, and that's why inside these communities there's this poverty because there's not capitalism going on inside these communities. He also used to talk about the, the need to keep family values, believe it or not, intact, and how you know people should refrain. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian, so, but say, see, the message. Was Why always, would you bring that up? The message was always to racist. smear us vegetarians. Uh, huh? Well, that's partially why I brought it up. Part, you know, look, it, you can always find something admirable about it, but if you think about what Louis Farrakhan said, it was a it was a racial message. Black people should stick to black people. You should spend your money with black people. You should do this. You should, you should empower your own communities. I didn't find that what to be a racist message. Do you, do you shop? Have you ever shopped? Or you're like, I need a new shirt. But I'm going to travel until I find a, a shirt seller who has the same skin tone as I do. Because I don't no. sit there and go, you know, oh, here's a small independent bookstore. Wait, let me check on their website and see what the uh, no, and that's brutal. not what I'm suggesting. That's what Louis Farrakhan was suggesting. No, what he was suggesting back then were doing things to help strengthen the economic viability of your own neighborhood and not putting your hand out and always expecting the government to come in and save your butt. No, if there was a, a gap outlet on your corner of your block... 
It wasn't even a gap. They didn't want you to go. He didn't want you to go to the gap. He wanted you to go to Brother Johnson's shirt emporium and pay twice. I like the Brothers Johnson. I know it's a good good guy. A little bit too much starch, but it's okay otherwise. That's what he was talking about. It wasn't. Don't go to this one because white people. That's what he was saying. We got to take a break. The bump music should be from Louis Farrakhan's family album. No, thank you. We're not doing that. Have a chart. No, it. James Golden that a good beat you can cry racism to it <laughs> we're going to talk about Bud Light when we get back prepare yourself Donald Trump back. Jr Donald Trump Jr is saying it's time to end this stupid boycott against Bud Light we're coming back WABC James Golden Snurdly Saturday morning radio extravaganza 800 848-WABC-800-848-9222. Coming back. Derek Hunter's here. The gang's here. Back right after this. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Yeah, baby. Commodores. The Brick House brings us back. Yeah, there's a story. I don't know whether this would qualify as a brick house. But there's a story today on a Fox about a, and this online petition, you know, anybody can petition the FAA. And a woman wrote a plus-size passenger, that's how she's being described, has written an online petition demanding that airlines change their uh, current policies to accommodate, to better accommodate plus-size customers. She says air travel should be comfortable and accessible for everyone. She's claimed that as a plus-size traveler, she and her partner have unfortunately experienced discrimination while flying. On a flight to Denver, her fiancé was subjected to hateful comments, disapproving looks. Oh, that's bad. How is that discrimination, though? Well, I mean, you're fatty. You're fat. But you're still out on the plane. You're still out. You're, you're said mean things to you, but that's not discrimination. It's well, how to get some, off the plane. We don't serve your kind. That's discrimination. My God, someone, people are so stupid. Does nobody own a dictionary anymore? Somebody refused to sit next to them. And that they was probably discrimin- didn't want to burn up in their atmosphere, get caught in orbit, and not be able to break free. <laughs> And similarly, she says on another flight, she was uh, she was forced to occupy only one seat. <laughs> oh, forced! <laughs> she was forced. To, I was forced to drive only one car when I bought it. You know, they didn't she give was, me 
extra I had stuff. My golf clubs I could have put in another car. They didn't give me a trailer to haul my other things, and there was no foot massage at all. I didn't realize that I was discriminated against. Can I? What organization is this that I can call that will fight for justice for me? The FAA. She was forced no. to occupy only one seat. The Fat Ass Administration with with immovable armrest, and that caused her pain and bruises. Immovable arm. So she she want, wait. She's complaining nobody wanted to sit next to her. But she's also saying that she didn't get a seat with On movable armrest so she could more easily spill over into other people's personal spaces. Derek, Derek, she was unimpeded. She needed exact... No, because God forbid their hips not be smashed. Their hips, everything else, going to be... Their elbows are screwed because they'll be spilling over the top of the immovable armrest. But she wanted to hip check them in there. My God. Um, what it was clear is that... The when is the march on Washington for this? I need to start making plans now. <laughs> you got to fly there. Uh, what is clear is that the mistreatment and discrimination of plus-size passengers is unacceptable, and it must be addressed. When is she going to see aer- diabetes? When is she going to go after the Walter Brimley, is, Wilford Brimley estate? Diabetes. I... You know, I do this thing. Oh, uh, she says, look, Derek, she has solutions, okay? Just just listen to her Just solutions, make bigger okay? planes or sell fewer tickets. Solutions. She does. She, she says wants accommodations. That... It'd be like you demanding that not only they have a vegetarian meal available, but nobody should be allowed to have any meat. It should all be. Everybody gets a head of iceberg lettuce. They have to eat like an apple on the flight, and that's it, because that's what you want. She says that um, the FAA should accommodate larger passengers, including making alternative seating arrangements, seat belt extenders, larger seats. All plus-size passengers should be provided with an extra free seat or even... Or even two or three seats, depending on their size. God, well, we have to take the side of the plane off to get the forklift up there to put them in there so they can fill their three seats, don't they? Why don't we put them in giant dog carriers in the luggage compartment? In addition, airlines should offer a refund refund for plus-size passengers who purchase additional seats independently. So if you buy two seats together because you need them, the airline should refund you for the second seat. Also, also, uh, larger size bathrooms for plus size travelers, priority boarding, and addition... Priority boarding. standing... Now we'll take uh, elderly passengers, those traveling with small children, and anybody who is winded walking up a three-degree incline for priority boarding. Yeah, this is... uh, Or we could, I don't know, how about we make the the gateway uh, a a treadmill going in the other direction? Okay, How about we we reverse the foot traffic on the movable sidewalks at the airport, and maybe we can get them into a chair. Do you think that you're being a little insensitive here? Rhonda yes. has even chimed in. Rhonda, who we count on. Rhonda, for, for the wholesomeness and goodness to restore us back. Rhonda <laughs> says, people don't want to fly with a snuggler. Rhonda! 
Where is the empathy here for any? You people do not understand what it's like to be overweight and to have to fly. I'm going to tell you that right now. You don't. You have no idea. There, you were just talking about. You were just talking about. You went to the gym, and yeah. by the way, you you inspired me. By the way, I just want you to know that you went to the gym and and, and you have lost 25 pounds. You said as of last week, you've been yeah. to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. I went to the gym this week for the I first time. I sent you a text message know. last week after the show. So I know. Get your ass to the gym. And and you know what? And and <clears throat> I cannot wait to get back. I I wanted to get back. But you know I like the gym, and I like working. It's it's very difficult when you haven't gone in a while to try to start from the beginning again. My resting heart rate has dropped by about ten beats per minute from sixty or seventy two to sixty, and actually about twelve. Well, see, there's a surprise, people. He has a heart. Well, no, my blood moving machine device. Okay, because I mean, Derek. Look, I, I, I have imp- sympathy Look, people, for people, people who want help. But these people don't want help. These are the people who go, I'm beautiful at any size. And you're wearing something and you're like, oh, my God. I I can see it both ways, man. Spandex is not one size fits all. I don't know who told you that, but they were lying to you. It was a joke. It was a dare. And they won. It it is, you know, okay, you can be attractive at any size, but diabetes strikes more on one side of the scale than the other. And it's the side that's flat down on the ground, not the one that's catapulting people into the air. You should maybe, um, I don't know, get only two Big Macs. Like it, it is. You did this to yourself. Avery. You did Avery. this to yourself. Avery, what were you going to say here, Avery? Don't accommodate you. Oh, no, I'm saying I can see it both ways. Right. What's the other way? Because Derek is just, these. He's, bo- is- he's going in. But, yeah, I mean. I can see what you want in the flying comfort and yeah. Who doesn't everybody should get a hammock? Start hammock airlines. It's, it's not fair. And you would get all the business in the world. It's not, bean it's bag not fair. Air. Derek. I mean Beanbag Air. I'd probably fly Beanbag Air. Make the whole thing like the vomit comet where it is just memory foam. And anybody can just go lay in there. I would love that. I would try it until I got rolled okay, over. Der- on Derek, Derek, what? Derek. What? Can you at least acknowledge over the past decade or so, no, two decades, airline seats, especially in the coach sections, have gotten so small, you can't even put a laptop on your tray table anymore. If somebody puts their seat back, people want to fight because it's like your knees get crushed, everything. If you're, it's not just if you're well, overweight. Look, I'm six foot if five, and tall, it's mostly legs. Thank it's you. It's mostly legs. So the people in front of me, when they, I, I uh, position my knees right in the soft spot, so that when they start to go back, it's not worth it. And ah. they push it, and it's it's uncomfortable. And they look back, and they give me that one dirty look, and I'm like, dude, you saw me walking in. I had to duck. Like, there's not, you're going to lose. And then they quit. I'm not trying to get on a laptop. I'm not trying to work. I'm trying to get there and get off that damn thing as quickly as possible. I don't fly for comfort. And I don't think that they've taken the same size planes and made the seats smaller because you, yes, they have. Yes, they have. Uh, to a, yes, they have, Derek. This the is, aisles are not very wide. Derek, Maybe they, they used have, to only have two seats on each side or whatever. It doesn't matter. No, but you have the a size of this. No, Derek. Seriously, the size of the they have airlines have shrunk the size of the seats so to that they end? can accommodate do they, do more they actually passengers. Literally, get more seats on there. Yes, they have. 
and 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 is so uncomfortable now. Even people that are not overweight, for people that are just average size. Except I'm not talking about you. Well, Mitch, my, you I've you, never flown comfortable, so I guess like one time I got bumped up to first class on a flight from Wisconsin to Montana, and that was glorious. But that was like an hour and a half. Uh, but I I know that I am not going to have legroom, so I either get the emergency row and pay the ten bucks extra for that extra space, or on uh, Southwest flights I'll pay the fifteen bucks or whatever it is to board early, so that I can get the very first row of seats where you uh, you can kick your legs out. So you make accommodations. They're not going to do anything to get you wider. But, you know, buy a girdle or something. I mean, for God's sakes, why do you get special treatment? Because, you you know, smokers wouldn't sit there and go, you know what, we demand our comfort. And you give me a crappy thing of peanuts, but I like to have a cigarette after I eat anything. So I want to be able to have a smoking section. You could take this to the point of absurdity in every way, shape, or form. Society does not or should not have to bow and bend over to the whims of the anomalies it should be a, a wake-up call that if you're not sitting and fitting in the thing if you're spilling over if you're if okay let me just we've had, rests, a, we've had someone else we got to go to a break but i want to just say this to you before we go i thought we we're talking about bud light a, a medical we are going to talk about bud light i just heard from one of the most brilliant medical doctors in the country mm-hmm. dr peter miklos and he says six foot seven men don't fit an economy and then you talk about people. I can't. Who wants to pay a five thousand dollar fare to Europe in business class? There five thousand dollars. Let me tell you something. It's not five thousand dollars anymore, Doc. I looked at a, a flight from from New York to London in in business class. I'm not kidding. The the seats were going for twelve thousand dollars a seat. You got to pull the "Don't you know who I am?" card, but no, like that doesn't six, work with the airline. Six foot five, I can promise you, it's not super comfortable for somebody six foot five, six foot seven. I couldn't imagine, but also as somebody who's six foot five, there hasn't been a flight where I wasn't the tallest person on. And so he says some of us genetically. Foot, you, if somebody eight feet needs even more room, there's nobody eight feet tall. But do you legislate and regulate based on the anomaly, they, or do you deal oh, with reality? Oh, you have opened up a can of worms now, my friend. we got to go take a break. We're coming right back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Bruno Mars brings us back on WABC. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The gang's here. And Derek, you just mentioned before the break, oh, what are we supposed to do regularly? You know, the government used to actually do that. And many yeah, of us the worst don't case, like... They would, order, uh, they would regulate within broad parameters, but they wouldn't take the worst. Democrats did it. Democrats would say, oh, you're thinking about slowing the rate of increase on Social Security, and they would call it a draconian cut, and they would find the one grandma in all of the land who was eating cat food, probably because of a neurosis, but they would say, she's eating cat food, and she's going to be forced to eat even more cat food if you cut her Social Security check. And you go, oh, all right, well, then I guess we'll keep steaming towards that iceberg out there because it'll probably swerve. You can't 
regulate things. There's going to be somebody who is seven go- feet eleven, like a minute bowl to come along, and you go, you know what? He needs to be comfortable in Southwest Airlines. That's not the way the world works. We don't have to the w- accommodate the anomalies. Look at Budweiser just got into trouble for that. The anomaly being Dylan Mulvaney. Like that dude is he tucks it back and I'm a he plays his girl face and they go, you know what? That's who we should cater to because that will broaden our appeal. It won't broaden your appeal. It ended up narrowing it. One of the things that was suggested is that uh, there are there are people who are genetically large who are punished by flying in these tiny with seats, and that puts them at risk, medical risk, for leg clots, uh, 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 venous thrombo, thromboembolism. By the way, you know what? Remember Tim Russett? Remember what? Remember? Do you remember what took Tim Russett out? It was after one of these long flights, and that happens to a lot of people if they have to in, stay on these flights a long time. And that's what it was tell you: get up, get up out of your seat, and move because you can clot up if you're tall. Now, one of the suggestions came just simple: just put two rows in and set up two rows in the back of economy or in economy for the taller or the whatever section. Yes, it means that you will not be able to squinch as many people in there like they're cattle. No, segregation forever. No, look. Oh, my gosh. Well, come I mean, on. Derek, you, half of the country, okay, do you, you understand? The genetic do you readout. not understand that half show of the Show me the are, genetic readout that says that somebody's 500 pounds because of their glands, and I would have much more sympathy, but let me look through their cupboards, and I promise you there's not going to be a lot of oats. Do you understand that half this country is officially overweight? I understand that. From do we, we used to, a, do okay. you understand that's so, not a good thing? That's not a good thing. It is not a good thing. That's not a good thing, and we should probably try to do something about that. And instead of burning calories, well, ironically burning calories, trying to accommodate people who aren't burning enough calories, we try to get the people who aren't burning enough calories to burn some calories. And, you know, national, how about you just eat some salad day? And all that sort of thing. And encourage people to get off their butts and say, you know what? This isn't, we don't want to end up like that world in Wall E where everybody is morbidly obese and nobody's walking and they all ride around on these scooters. These, the scooters that you see, they don't have them because somebody's got really bad hips and whatever. They, you get a hip replacement. People you see rolling around Disneyland on scooters are there because they made too many trips to the donut shop. Okay, there are Derek, rare exceptions, you, you but you cannot keep... govern to the exceptions. Derek, it is not governing to the exception to confront reality, whether we like it or not. Everything that you said, by the way, about we should be incentivized to to become more healthy is absolutely right. And, and thank you membership again. Fully tax deductible. There you go. And then, you know, go down that road if that's what you want to do. Derek, at the same time, you have to confront reality. And the reality is with half of the country overweight, it's time for these airlines to stop acting as if the only... Look, guess what? The only way, and I know this from experience, for larger people to actually be somewhat comfortable is buy a first-class ticket. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that doesn't make any sense. Are you willing to pay more so that somebody else is comfortable? Are you willing to pay more so... Not you, somebody else. I'm willing to pay more for my own airline. Twenty percent more that. for everybody, for uh, so that they can remove I don't know twenty percent of the the chairs and readjust the thing. Are you willing to pay more? Okay, 
Or do you want to just regulate that they have to do it and they have to eat the cost because they're operating on pretty thin margins already and you would be dooming some of them to collapse or more consolidation in the airline industry? It's You can't just throw a rock into a pond and there not be ripples, James. You know this. You might not be thinking about it right now, but you know this. So are you willing what, to pay what more? I do, I'm, are you willing to pay I, more? Yes. I doubt it. For airline tickets, we are paying more anyway. Have you seen We're the fares? More and more. More and more. We're paying more because of Biden's gas tax. Look, I'm not saying that this woman, and I don't agree with her, give me a free seat and all that nonsense. All I'm saying is that what the airlines have done to me is borderline criminal. If you want to they make two know, rows available with more width, two rows instead of two seats, instead of three seats, two seats, but you got to pay more for them, but you get to avoid the humiliation of sitting in two seats. It's just a bigger seat, and you've got to pay the price of a seat and a half or whatever. That's fine. That's not the accommodation she's talking about or you're talking about in this story. This is... You get what you pay for. You go into a storage unit, you can buy a small closet, or you can buy a small apartment and put your stuff in there, depending on what you need. If you want to sell airline seats like that and design airline seats that can be reconfigured in the course of, like if you take a train, train seats can go one way, and then they just flip this switch and kick it around, and it's facing the other way, depending on which way the train is going. If you can come up with bench seats or whatever for a certain section of the plane that's going to cost you more, and not me more, not anybody else more, and you can choose to take those seats, then fine, absolutely go for it. And they come in and rejigger the the seats there. But if you want everybody else to pay more so that you're convenienced, that is the epitome of selfishness, and you lose me. And I don't have any sympathy for that. It doesn't matter if it's glandular or not. I don't need to accommodate you. I don't run around saying you need to accommodate me. Uh, Derek, you have given us a lot to, uh, I'm sure you're going to be hearing about this. Keep your radio on for the rest of the show, Derek. As you Bring the hate. Column. I'll write a column and, and, and while I sit here and get hated and send text messages <laughs> as appropriate. Well, I, I love you, Derek. I want to thank you one more time for the inspiration because you did, between you and my nurse, my private duty nurse. You all got me back gym? in the gym. What are you gym? doing today that's so great that you couldn't spare I'm going to go to the gym. There you go. For a little bit. Or else I'm going to do something active. Move your ass around the neighborhood. Do something. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back on WABC. First hour of our radio extravaganza in the can. Two more to go. Don't go away. Yes, your phone calls. Thank you for waiting. We are going to get to calls soon. <sighs> Derek Hunter, boy, he knows how to stir it up. And America's small caffeinated mom is going to be with us, too. So, a lot to go. Keep it right here. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You want to be part of the program, 800 848-WABC. We're going to cut right to it. I have with me on the uh, on the hotline Dr. Peter Michalos. Dr. Michalos, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Great to be with your show and uh, 
I wake up and I listen to you on uh, Saturday mornings. But when I started hearing the the conversation, uh, when someone said that there are no glandular and no medical conditions that cause weight gain, it's all about uh, what we what we put in our mouths. And I just started to to you know that's like uh, medical student 101. There's a whole list of conditions starting with hypothyroidism, depression, insomnia, menopause in women, Cushing syndrome, which is an abnormal condition of our uh, adrenal glands, which can cause you to gain weight, polycystic ovarian syndrome in women, congestive heart failure, and also sleep apnea, in addition, uh, is associated with weight gain. And we can go on and on with various uh, hormonal uh, conditions and genetic conditions. In addition, the American diet, nobody likes to talk about it, but we put estrogen in our cows. Why? Because they want to make them grow big and fat faster. And that's what uh, also gives sometimes a certain taste to the meats. And guess what estrogen does? It makes you fat and even men. And we get gynecomastia, which is the enlargement of male breasts. In the European Union, they don't even allow American meat because of that. We put growth hormones in in cows and then we drink that milk. Why do you think they sell? People have to pay extra, you know, some something extra, not double or triple for a growth hormone free milk because those growth hormones make the cows bigger. And guess what it does to us? We get bigger as well. So these are real reality things that are actually uh, happening. And, you know, things that are in our diet affect us just like when they give chickens antibiotics because they're grown in tight corners, guess who eats that chicken with those antibiotics we do? And it alters our gut microbiome, which is also associated with uh, obesity. So part of it is we're also involuntarily being contaminated through our food system. That's why there's this whole big uh, organic uh, movement. And for example, on an airplane, you, t- you talked about, uh, you know, economy class. But, you know, the, the other thing is, yes, I am six foot seven. I have to pay more for my XXL size shirt or my 2XL shirt. So I should be able to proportionally pay a little bit more to have, for example, in the back of the plane, just put us in the back of the plane, two little, two X, two, two rows that are designed. When you check in, you say, are you over six, five? Are you over, you know, 300 pounds? And you can pay a proportionally a little bit more to have a larger seat. I'm not saying you have to get the business class seat, which by the way, recently, as you just mentioned, the prices are crazy. Like I see prices, uh, you know, for $15,000. I remember last year I uh, was able to get, you know, a round, a round trip for like $1,800 on business class going to Dublin, Ireland. Now going to England, as you said, can be over $10,000. And it seems to be all across the airlines, like they're all communicating and setting these uh, crazy prices. So, yes, there are medical conditions. Some of us are designed with uh, – genetically with larger and wider hips. We just don't fit on these seats. And what's the problem with that? What happens is when blood pools in our legs, any flight you take over three hours, uh, you can get venous thromboembolism, which is basically a blood clot. And especially now that we know that COVID, uh, the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons in Dublin just announced that, yes, COVID turns out to be a clotting disease. And 39 in a million people are getting uh, these uh, very bad brain clots or pulmonary embolism clots. And, you know, again, vaccines, we know obviously in a pandemic you had to take them, but they also showed that four out of a million people are getting clots after vaccines. So this whole 
clotting syndrome and flying and and, and sudden deaths is, is is definitely an issue. That's why I talk to your doctor, what I do personally, but again, consult with your physician, is a, a day before I fly, I'll take a uh, a, a coated uh, baby aspirin, and the day I, I do fly, I take a coated aspirin, and I drink tons of water, and even if I'm sitting in economy, I'll, uh, I'll stretch my legs, rotate them, contract your leg muscles so that you bring blood back up to your head and you keep the blood moving so you don't end up with one of these clots like former President Nixon got on a long flight that he had, because in long flights, we also get dehydrated. Why? Because airplanes are desiccated dry. Why? Because they do not want planes to have humidity or metal rust and metal fatigue, and that's why we get sick on airplanes, because the air is super dry. And when your mucous membranes are super dry, you tend to get uh, more sick on long flights. But the bottom line is we need something for a larger people. It's like the airline telling us uh, this air, airplane is only designed for people who wear a size 37 uh, waist suit. And uh, we don't care about everybody else. This happened to be a size. And that's exactly you're gonna, what you're going to have to fit in it. And that's the analogy I would try to use. Now, Derek says uh, he, that he didn't say there were none, none of these issues. They're just not as common as overeating and laziness. Now, can we be, let's just be real, okay? A lot of us, I understand, laziness, well, busyness, how's that? And we don't take yeah. the time always to exercise properly. I get that. Yeah. And overeating, right. absolutely understood that. Those are issues. Right, but it's what you eat, too. The problem is we have these foods, like some of these white breads that are totally packed with calories. And if you're taking a one ounce a piece of meat from uh, Japan or from Europe that doesn't have estrogen in it, it's it's very different than when you have one ounce of meat that is uh, filled with estrogen. And guess what that does? It plumps you up. It makes you fatter. It makes male breasts grow. So the problem also has to be addressed is the quality of our food. Every commercial is for a soft drink with pure sugar. Guess where that goes? Right into our belly. What is our belly? Our belly is really a refrigerator designed in ancient times when we evolved to store food before the winter and it all went into our abdomen and our rear and then we tap into that refrigerator. That's why intermittent fasting works so well because at about 12 or 13 hours when you haven't eaten, then all of a sudden you start going into the fat in your belly and our rear and it starts to help break it up. But if you have underlying medical conditions like we just described, like Cushing syndrome, hypothyroidism, and these other conditions, plus we're ingesting a different kind of food. It's not just putting food in our mouth. It's what we're putting in, and we need to address as a country and in the, in the schools to have healthier uh, choices of food. And uh, we need to do something about all this estrogen that's loaded up, just like Women in Japan, you never see breast cancer. They don't have those in, in the meat there. They come to the United States, and when they, they adopt the American Western diet, suddenly their levels of breast cancer start to skyrocket. So these are all, all, all part of the issue. But the bottom line is I'm six foot seven. I don't fit in these new current seats. And sometimes the person in front of you doesn't say anything to you when they suddenly thrust their seat back, and there go my knee, kneecaps, and I've had my knees slammed in that manner and it's really not fun that's why as a tall person i always turn around and say may i please move my uh, rear of my seat back a notch before i you know slam somebody else's 
needs, but they just keep trying to pack mm-hmm. more and more people. If an airline had some accommodations to some larger people, guess what? More people will fly it, just like certain companies accommodate larger um, clothing lines. If there was an airline that did that or even had scheduled flights, some of us larger people would even go on that one flight a day that went to Florida, for example, that would accommodate a, another person for those of us who can't afford these uh, exorbitant business class deals. But thank you for allowing me to share some rea- a, rea- a medical reality check on some of these uh, issues and explain that there's a story behind the story. Well, I wanted to tell you there's a story behind the story behind the story. There was a story. Rhonda pointed this story out to me. She asked me if I had heard about it, and I said no. And then I went to uh, to read it. I want you to just listen to this. This was in the Epic Times, April 13th. Here's the headline. Amish farmer threatened for not giving up traditional farming. Armed federal agents were used to threaten a traditional Amish farmer 150 miles outside of Washington, D.C. Why? He doesn't use pesticides. He doesn't use fertilizers or gas to run his farm. And by not doing these things, he is violating some of the standards of the USDA, and and so now he's being threatened. There's the story is in Epic Times. I don't. We got to go to a break, so I don't want to uh, spend yeah, a lot no, of I'm time on it. But you just it. think about that for a minute. Yeah. No, and he was threatened with go prison ahead, time for refuse, He was he was threatened with prison time for refusing to comply with the uh, USDA uh, re- regulations. And uh, this gentleman had owned a farm. He was organic farming for the last uh, thirty years. And uh, he doesn't use, you know, electricity, you know, fertilizer, uh, and uh, he stays away from the preservatives. And he had a great reputation as farm, and, it, uh, you know, it, it even has a private club, and they have 4,000 members, and he sold all, all sorts of food, including, as we just talked about, grass-fed beef and cheese and produce. And guess what? Corn, corn and high fructose corn syrup make us fat. And guess what they're feeding our beef? They're feeding them corn. Uh, uh, beef was not designed or did not evolve eating corn. The same problem now with the farmed fish. They are feeding them corn instead of what they would naturally eat and the greens they eat. And that's why some of our fish is also altered. And the omega-3s we're getting are different out of these uh, farms. So in his farm, he would have these grass-fed, just like in Argentina. They use grass-fed beef. That's why the Argentinian beef is so uh, amazing, but the, the the bottom line is uh, they're you know they're just going after some of uh, some of these people who are doing uh, organic. And if you ever have a problem or a, an outbreak of any kind of uh, bacteria or something, then they just come down on you and say you need to spray everything with pesticides. And then years later, we found that we find out about some of these chemicals that are used as pesticides, and they're known uh, carcinogens. So. Slowly, we're, we're poisoning ourselves, and we need more education, more awareness, and the uh, government needs to start learning to protect us from these uh, potentially long-term uh, carcinogens. And it's all about, you know, amounts. But I think that uh, people shouldn't tell a farmer who's been doing it all his life for 30 years how to farm, and people should have access to organic. And there's another example of how you have to pay a lot more now 
to eat and stay healthy and just to buy organic food or to buy a container of milk for your child that doesn't have growth hormones in it and antibiotics, you need to pay a, a premium. And now, as we've noticed with inflation, because as John Katsimatidis, our leader, uh, says that because of the price of oil to transport all these things, everything has gone up. So, uh, yes, I uh, am familiar with that story. And, yes, we need to be more uh, vigilant and uh, work on trying to uh, stay as healthy as possible and uh, talk to your doctors about intermittent fasting. That's one of the things that does work where you only eat between noon and 8 o'clock, let your gut rest for 16 hours, and that gives our chance for our uh, bodies to focus on immunity and health, but it also gives time for something called autophagy to go after the poisons, the toxins, and do cleanup instead of focusing on digestion because we want to keep our audience healthy so they can keep listening to your great show every Saturday morning. Dr. McClough, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. WABC Talk Radio, thank you so much. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. Well, we're going to get to some phone calls. People have been waiting. 800-848-WABC is that number. Seal takes us in. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Sly and the Family Stone. Let's head to the telephones on WABC. Michael in Rockaway Beach, we'll start with you. How are you this morning? Good. Uh, Bo, it's nice to talk to you. Uh, Mikolos is right. Dr. Mikolos is right. Uh, it's our food and what we put in our food supplies. Uh, I mean, if you could go organic, that's the way to go. So all of these antibiotics and estrogen and so forth are not added to the, the meats that we're eating. But that's very expensive for most people. But uh, this has been a huge issue for years and years and years about the American uh, diet. And but not only that, but the obesity problem in this country. I mean, all you have to do is walk down the street. I, last night I was walking down through Brooklyn. It was beautiful. And I would say half the people were all overweight. I'm 68 years old. I weigh 169 pounds. I got a 31-inch waist. I intermittent fast three to four days a week. I don't eat anything for 18 hours. 
And I think that's the way where we got to address this problem. The other thing was when we were growing up, there was the President's Council on Physical Fitness, and they introduced a phys ed in my grammar school, my Catholic grammar school in the Bronx. And I got to tell you, people lost weight. We were out playing baseball and football, and we were active. The other problem today is that I see the kids, these teenagers that I know and these younger kids, are all sitting in front of a computer, and they don't go out and play ball. And I think that's a, re- a major problem for this country. Well, you raise a lot of issues here. Now, I remember it was John F. Kennedy who started the uh, President's Council on Physical Fitness, and that was, it was regarded as a great thing then. And as a person who does sit down in front of a computer all day long now and sometimes into the wee hours of the night, I can tell you that getting uh, getting back up after you've been sitting, look, I love the gym, and I used to be a gym rat, but when you sit down and you are used to sitting down, it is hard to get restarted again. So I think this, we hope to, and Derek, Derek did. Derek sent me a picture after the show last week. He's like, get your ass up and go to the gym. And so, you know, and, and also, Judy, uh, yeah. So if getting to the gym is going to be, you know, I'm going to have to make an effort to get back there and start again. But one of the other things, though, this idea of the food. Look, you don't have to. You, you keep talking about the, 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 uh, the, the meats and all this. I'm a vegetarian, and I'm a, I've been a vegetarian most of my life, and I'm still overweight. And intermittent fasting. Yeah, you tell somebody that's used to eating three or four times a day, okay, don't eat for 18 hours. It's tough. Now, I know that it takes time to start a new habit, and that's tough too. But, I mean, 18 hours without food, boy, that's a lot for a lot. That's a heavy lift for a lot of people. It's not as easy as it sounds. Anyway, thank you for the call, Michael. You're absolutely right. Dead on. Dead on on so many points. Let's go to Eve in Montclair, New Jersey. Hi, Eve. Thank you for waiting, and thank you for calling. Thank you. I'm a first-time caller, and I do enjoy listening to your show. And I just wanted to add a few points. Um, I am a flight attendant for Legacy Airline, have been flying for 37 years. And I'm going to tell you, I do totally agree with the food issue. I fly internationally 16 or more hours on a monthly basis, and I bring my own food, okay? Most flight attendants Whoa. bring their own food. Okay, period, end of story. You can bring your own food. You just can't bring liquids. Seasoned travelers do the same thing. Bring sandwiches, bring carrots, bring yogurt, bring things that are healthy. And I will say this. I not only do a little bit, I don't want to say fat shame, but if I sit next to you on the plane as a passenger and you overspill into my seat, I put the Hemisphere magazine in between. I'm not sharing my seat with you. And I do the same with flight attendants. If this person is a big girl, okay, or a big guy, I'm not sharing the jump seat with you, okay? You take up one seatbelt size and that's it. And I believe that, like your coworker said, some of these things people can do something about, and I shouldn't have to accommodate that. When I started flying, we used to get weight checked. Now that's discriminatory. Most of the young girls that I'm flying with, I'm 60 years old, and I'm 130 pounds, okay? And I'm flying with girls that are 22 and 23 that are taking up my part of my jump seat or sitting next to me on a seat, and I'm not having it. The magazine goes in between. I'm sorry. Now, can you answer one question for me? Have the sure. airline seat 
and Coach gotten smaller over the years? They have gotten smaller because of the uh, the newness of the airline of the airplane. If you're on older airplanes, you'll notice a difference with from. And I do think that it's terrible that they're charging extra for bulkheads, charging extra for window seats. They never did that in the 80s. But to answer your question, yes, the seats have gotten smaller. And that's not the airlines. That's Boeing. That's Airbus. That's all. That's a way to make more money. That's all it is. The the, the best. Uh, I think the best approach, if I were a paying customer, I would try to get anywhere between row five and row seven. Once you pass row seven or, or more, you can visually see the airplane getting smaller. The front part is wider and uh, the window exit seats are wider. Once you get anywhere past that, you can visually see that the airplane seats are smaller. You just most people aren't paying attention because of the bags and then worrying. I worry more than anything. Please don't let the person next to me be big. Please, please, please. And I hate okay. to tell you this, Dominic. <laughs> I'm not sorry, folks. I'm saying Dominic. They're smaller. Well, okay. So then let me ask you another question. I'm glad we have a flight attendant here because I got a bunch of questions for you. So, okay. So what if you let's talk about bags for a minute. Okay, you're supposed to be, I see this all the time, you're supposed to be limited to a carry-on and whatever, whatever. You see these people coming in, they got a backpack, a bag, and another bag, and another bag, and and then where's all the stuff supposed to go? And then you tell people to take stuff out of their bags, but you can't blame people for wanting to bring their stuff on the plane because now they're charging, these airlines are charging you extra, extra the ticket price for your bags if you want to, and if you want to, uh, if you want to check in your bags, so how does that work? That it's not going to fit, and most of the savvy travelers they do bring the three and four bags because you're not going to pay if you get online and you buy the ticket. You just sucked into purchasing um, a your a bag, uh, an extra bag. But if you show up at a gate at any domestic, I fly internationally, but I'm saying I do travel domestically. And most people have the backpack, the laptop computer, they have three or four bags. And before they even start boarding, they say to you, who, please step over here if you want to check your bags. They're not paying for that. The people that don't know pay. The people that fly a lot don't. You don't have to pay for those extra bags at all because they already know the, the, the there's only... 30 overhead bins in the first place. So in a hundred or more people. So it's just like your closet in your house. It's not going to fit everything. They know that already. They're not charging okay. you for it. What are the things that annoy you the most from passengers when you're on flights? Um, the inflated expectations that what they're, they're asking for things that you get corporate. And when you're flying on a legacy airline, and I'm not a legacy meaning United, okay, Delta, or American, okay, not Southwest, not those other ones, okay, legacy aircraft, those people back in the day, we used to have phenomenal services, domestic and international. Now that is not the case. I fly back and forth to South Africa, back and forth through London, all over Europe, okay, India, Tel Aviv, the whole line yards. All of what we used to give, I would say, 
before 9-11 has been whittled down. If you do pay the $15,000 in first class for that extra room, you're not getting $15,000 worth of service, not the same service we gave you back in the 90s, okay? You get all of the same stuff that people in coach get just on a plate. Mean, yeah, and that hence that means when you see seasoned travelers, okay. And again, I'm not knocking anyone. If you sit next to me, you're gonna be mad because I will pull out a BLT, I'll pull out some tangerines. I come prepared because we don't give you anything. You get the bare minimum. All right, now I was just uh, just some, another text. The airlines are asking for more seats in the same space. Boeing gets orders from the companies, so. So um, certain airlines order less seats, and 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 it's so they're not blaming it on the on on the manufacturer. They're saying this is the airlines that are wanting to squeeze people in. It could be so. Um, I don't believe that, but it could be. It's all about money on every other frontier. So what excludes the airlines? <laughs> Well, Eve, it is such a pleasure. So I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, thank you so much. You are great. Hope I end up on a flight with you. It'll be fun unless I spill over into your seat, <laughs> which would not be fun. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, WABC Talk Radio 77. Bill Collins takes us in. We're coming back. More of your calls. A lot more to go. Scott has some stories. Oh, yeah. Scott's got a stack of stories. And also, America's small caffeinated mom. All that coming up in the show. Saturday morning, here on WABC, we are the crown jewel of American radio. By the way, we had a call yesterday. What do I do? They're trying to, they're now threatening to get rid of AM radio in cars. Get the WABC app. Get the app. Use your smartphone, go Bluetooth, and just hook up the Bluetooth radio in your car. Start practicing now. Get that WABC app, go Bluetooth, and keep WABC with you all day, all night long, car or not. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It's the halfway point in our three-hour radio extravaganza. Spyrogyra morning dance. You know what to do. And I'm doing it on WABC, up out of that chair, and getting a little rhythm going here. America's small caffeinated mom coming up next hour. This is Spyrogyra. You know, Dr. Mikolos just texted me. He's got another tip for you, travelers. Good doctor has triplets. 
And he says when he takes them on vacation, he UPSs the luggage, the kids' clothes and all that stuff in advance a week so that it's at the hotel when they get there and then sends it back, UPS, when they're ready to leave. So it's home, gets home after they're home. And he's a friend of mine used to do this for years. He would go, if they had a lot of stuff, they'd use FedEx ground or something. And they'd send their, their stuff to the hotel in advance. The hotels will keep it for you. And you don't have to go through all that hassle at the airport. There are all kind of ways, I guess, to deal with uh, traveling. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bo. Avery, what did you say? Yeah. Um, Dr. Michelos knows we're not all doctors, too, right? <laughs> he, he knows we're not all working with a doctor budget, right? <laughs> well, when you consider the cost of, wait a minute, though. Think about what think about what the airlines are charging you now for bags. If you're not a frequent flyer and you're not a, a medallion flyer, well, I just gave away my airline because that's what they call it, the medallions. But think about what they charge you for bags Bo, now. Because in go, addition to your, you, you got to pay for those bags when you check them. Go try and ship one one pocketbook UPS and find out what it costs. You Uh-oh. will you will kiss the counter at your airline. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, I knew you were coming back. <laughs> Welcome back, Bo. They'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Much less all your luggage and your kids' luggage too, backwards and forwards. Come on. Well, you know, convenience sometimes, my friend. Like I said, we don't. We, we're not all doctors. Yeah, that's true too. I, I'm just saying, it's an option. It's an option. <laughs> okay, Scott, what do you have for us today, Scott? Well, the a Pennsylvania javelin coach was charged with having sex with a 17-year-old student. Wait a minute. I didn't even know that they have javelin in schools, number one. So this is part of the track program. So you get so so what are the details here? A Pennsylvania javelin coach was charged with sexually assaulting a seventeen year old boy she coached and told authorities she was romantically involved with, according to prosecutors. Hannah Marf was arrested after police learned she had engaged in a sexual relationship. With the Northampton area high school track and field athlete, prosecutors allege the 26-year-old coach sent the victim a text at 2 a.m. in May 2021 and invited him to her home. The two allegedly had sex, the Northampton district attorney said in news release. Martha was the javelin coach during the time while the student was an active member of the track and field program. She confessed to authorities that she and the student were romantically involved in May 2021. So she was helping him work out his javelin. Yes. She was coaching him on if how to... If that helps you, yes. 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 Uh, she was, a, she yeah. was a great javelin javelin coach. She, <laughs> she he, he slipped out of javelin <laughs> on the, on the, after javelin practice. <laughs> All right, coach. Now let me give you, the, let me give you my javelin. <laughs> coach. Uh, <sighs> 
Meanwhile, in Kentucky, at least six female students were arrested in a span of two days this week for having sex with students, including a Kentucky staffer who allegedly had trysts with a pair of 16-year-old boys. Uh, Ellen Shell, 38, of Danville, was arraigned in Girard County District Court on Thursday after prosecutors said she had sex with the teens on two separate occasions in July and August of last year. Uh, Shell worked as a teacher's aide at Woodland Elementary School and was employed at Lancaster Elementary School prior to that. Wow. Why are, what does that have to do with 16-year-old boys? Uh, but anyway, uh, the outlet report, I don't know, maybe they flunked. Uh, the outlet reported that Boyle County Schools, uh, school officials sent out letters to parents alerting them to the arrest. Shell has been placed on administrative leave pending the resolution of the case. Uh, none, of those parents, none of the parents got those letters, trust me. All the all the boys, all the boys were standing by the by the mailbox for the for the mail carrier. Yeah. This is uh, one of at least six recent cases of female teachers engaging in sexual misconduct with their teen uh, charges in recent days, according to reports from across the country. So I guess six. there's a spat. Apparently, this is an epidemic of female, female teachers. teachers enjoying the company of their male students. <laughs> Man, uh, so we have the javelin teacher that was showing um, the young javelin student how to aim properly. He had great aim, apparently. We have now six other female teachers uh, that are dealing. My question is this. What has happened in our... This I don't know, but it's a beautiful thing. Like, I don't like I don't want to I don't want to like, like step on these kids. Like, I mean, man, this is like it was never like that when I was when I was in school. Me either. I just want to high five a bunch of those kids, but I just want to. Come on now, that's not nice because boys can quote unquote be <clears throat> abused too. I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very abused. Mm, abused. Yeah. Uh, by abused. the way, let me do a clarification. The doctor says, Avery, just for your information, that you can use priority mail, USPS, not UPS, USPS. Priority Mail lets you uh, ship packages up to 70 pounds to any state in the country for the same price. When, now, Nine Prices start at $9.35 now, now for you, Priority Mail. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Bo. Send your luggage for $9.35 to Hawaii or wherever. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bo. Be my guest. <laughs> go ahead. Good, good luck with that, man. <laughs> Scott, you got anything else with us? You, uh... Uh, if you keep going, uh, Kristen Gant, 36, an English teacher. This is just the same story. At a Catholic high school in Des Moines. At uh, a Catholic school? Yeah. Was added to the tally Friday for allegedly having sex with a student five times inside and outside her school. Investigators in and out of school. Said Gant groomed the student over social media and that surveillance cameras caught them going into the classroom alone with a papered over window. Grooming, this, grooming the student. Let me tell you how that grooming went. Hi. <laughs> Hello, what's your name? I'm, I've been groomed. Mind if I paper over the window? Yeah, okay, whatever you want, whatever. Can't believe you. You're so insensitive. You're yeah. laughing at this stuff. I'm, I'm officially been groomed. Got any girls on the phone? You could, uh, let's see, what do we got? Tom, Sydney? Uh, no, we, gotta, we don't have anybody to, to defend. Uh, I don't want, I wonder what is, you know what? I saw the pictures. These are not bad looking Young ladies. Well, that's the point, I'm sure. But what is it with they can't find a man? They got to go for the students? What is it? That's always the question. That's always the question. 
Oh, yeah, they can't find a man. Why are you messing around with these kids? I don't understand. Well, well, I know the, the kids ain't asking. Do we have a doctor on the line that can explain? That, that's actually a really interesting question. And here's the second question. If, I don't, okay, uh, this may sound terrible, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. What's wrong with these boys? Why, why are they going ahead and telling? Why are they, what? why are they like? <laughs> I don't think they are. I don't think they are. It doesn't I, say anything about, here about you, the kids ratting them out. I can, I, tell you, you, I can tell you exactly how they get caught. They get How caught, do they get caught, Avery? They get caught showing their friends, and their friends are jealous, and so the friends rat on them. Or the friends, <laughs> like, tell their, tell, tell their mother or whatever. That's how they get caught. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Because I'm, if, if, if I remember when I was in high school, and there were some teachers in high school that we all used to kind of look at and just say, wow, yep. imagine, imagine if. And... And then, and then, like I, the, the football coach always got us something, like you know, another teacher, and you hated him, right? Like, wait till I, exactly. wait, wait till I get grown up. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> well, anyway, it's a different day and time. <laughs> oh, I think that's been going. on. You think it's been this has been going on forever with female teachers? Well, I mean, there was a whole movie about it called The Graduate, right? Wasn't that the the denue? The, wasn't that the premise of that? Or was that? Oh, that was what was Mrs. Robinson? Was she she was yeah, she was, was the, the older woman. Okay, and no. the graduate. But wasn't that college graduate? Not yeah, high college school. graduate. But there was a movie, an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, I think that's my boy. That glorified the whole thing. Like, uh, like in char- his character is in middle school. He uh, he has relations with um with with the teacher, and then becomes this big superstar. You know, and becomes rich because of it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what can you do? You're not gonna find a kid to to feel bad about this, and you're not gonna find other guys to condemn this kid. That's the problem. Like, he's gonna be a, he's gonna, he's gonna be a star. He's gonna be a star. A, like he's gonna be especially around your neighborhood in your school. You, you like there's no no there's no way around that. Cause well, every, man, it's crazy. I just, again, I don't understand it. A lot of these are very attractive-looking young women or women, and I don't get why. And they know, I mean, how many of these stories do you have to see to say chances that this is not, there are a lot of chances that this is not going to end up well, you know? Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. And it's different. Now, we don't have the same guys. you got to admit we don't have the same view of this when it's a male teacher doing this to a young female. Oh, We're like, oh it's totally throw no. him in oh, jail. Yeah. Throw him in jail. Throw him in jail now. Keep him in jail. Castrate him if you must. Do whatever you can because this is totally abuse and it shouldn't happen. You don't even hear about the stories. Like you just, you know, yeah, that's 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 the double standard. But if it's a female with a male student, most of us are saying. That's my boy. Uh, that's my boy. <laughs> just that's like my his, boy. Just like his old father. Ah, I think <laughs> they're both pedophiles. <laughs> oh, look at Sonny boy. Come here, boy. Let me get you that car. What you, you want? What was a Corvette? You want a Corvette? You said they're both pedophiles, Diego. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I know. I know. There's a cultural difference, but I don't see. It's still an adult with an underage child. I don't like. Let me tell you something. At 17 years old, <laughs> most boys are not underage. I don't care what you say. At 17 year old, it's like nature's telling you you're ready. Okay? You wake up in the morning ready. You go to sleep ready to do something. You know? So 
I at seven. Look, I'm not condoning it. This I better it, make that d- d- disclaimer right now. I am not condoning this behavior. I'll be telling that to my teacher. Everything you just said, that's what I'll be telling to my teacher. Yeah, I mean, don't we have? Oh, you know what we have in the? You know what we have? We can go to break with because it's time to go to a break. <laughs> Tower of Power, still a young man. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, but but but. But that thing with the javelin coach is perfect. Like you don't even have to like cha- you don't have to change your text. Like it, it, you can use code and it won't even like look like code. Coach, <laughs> hey, coach, come over and check my javelin. <laughs> I, I, I need some extra work at home with my javelin. Oh, WABC. I've been practicing on my technique. I think you'll like it. Tutoring. <laughs> <laughs> WABC, it's Saturday morning. You are welcome to weigh in on any or all of it. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this. Sorry, Bo, we don't have your uh, still a young man, but we'll get it in the library for you. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio, 77 in New York. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc Tower of Power brings us back. I'm telling you, this is a thing. Down on my knees. There is a culture about young boys. There is a social conditioning that most boys... I don't know. It's a wink, wink, nod, nod thing. Now, Diego, I'm not going to say anything about your comment that it is still pedophilia. I think ultimately you're right. Okay, let's just let's, let's call it that. But I'm telling you, there was a wink, wink, nod thing that was going on when I was coming up. And the older guys used to always encourage us younger guys to to be taught. I'll just... Leave it like that, to be taught. Let us go to Tom in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Tom, thank you for being so patient. How are you? Hello, Tom. Well, put Tom on hold, see whether he picks up. He's been there for a while. I don't want to just shut the guy out. Sydney in the Bronx, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you? Good morning. I've been working since 7 in the morning. I know. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, listen, I know there's so many things to cover, 
But my, my interest is very much being a New Yorker all my life. I'm 64 years old now. And uh, I had a carry, I, I, no, I had a premises uh, license for 20 plus years. Never got in trouble with it. And I have returned it a few years ago. I returned it back because I never saw New York City uh, having a concealed carry for good people that can carry, you know, uh, good law-abiding citizens. All of a sudden, a few years later, after I turned mine in, this law passes. But I learned that the New York City NYPD took down the link to applying for concealed because they're overwhelmed with people, I think, uh, trying to apply. Mm-hmm. I want to know mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you can have uh, from time to time uh, a checkup on that and, and, and let your audience know what's going on because uh, we are suffering some serious crime issues. I was at a shooting yesterday on University Avenue in the Bronx. You were at a shooting? Yeah, I was at a shooting uh, that happened after the fact, and the guy didn't die, but he got shut up a few times. Oh, man. um, I I volunteered to put uh, in Spanish and English uh, Crime Stoppers information after the fact, if I'm available. And I'm just concerned. I'm like, wow, you know. Well, there was, a story, there, was a, there was a story a little back, a little ways back about uh, store owners that are now having to take, uh, take, take their own security in their own hands because there are not enough police to cover the rise. Now, you hear Democrats all the time. By the way, Republicans are coming to town this week. They're going to hold hearings at the Javits Center. Democrats are already lining up. They're saying they're going to try to turn the whole thing into gun control, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's just good luck with that because most New Yorkers don't want to hear. They want to hear about how they're going to, how this, how the safety is going to be returned to New York. And most people understand the fallacy of the gun control arguments that the criminals actually end up with the guns no matter what. So good luck with that. And, and I hope it works out. But that's a good point. Sydney, I'll try to find somebody that knows about that because I really don't. I'm not as well-versed in it as I should, but somewhere there is an expert in New York, and we can track them down that knows the state of the carry laws here in New York. So thank you for that. Thank you for waiting. Really appreciate that. Is Tom back on the telephone now? Tom, how are you? I'm fine. I hope you're doing well as well. I am. Uh, So uh, terrific. Good to hear. Um, so very briefly, uh, I wanted to address this fascination that many Americans and particularly white conservatives have with the police as being this sort of patriotic force that stands up for public order and are there to protect you from uh, basically malevolent actors, whether at the political level or the street level in terms of street criminals. Now, first of all, I want to I want to let's just espouse this point. You know, police worship is for fascist societies. It's not for a democratic society. The police are there to protect and serve politicians first and foremost. All right. And this might come as a shock to most people listening to this program. But and it's something that I learned myself only fairly recently is that the police have no legal obligation to protect you from criminal aggression. Did you know that? Continue with your point. Supreme, yes, there's actually a Supreme Court. There's actually a Supreme Court case, Gonzalez, uh, in 2005, whereby uh, I believe it was uh, 
there's a town in Nebraska, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. But Gonzalez, the uh, family that actually uh, sued the police department in that city uh, for failing to prevent the deaths and uh, enforce a restraining order against this guy, Gonzalez, who eventually killed his wife and his three kids. And the court ruled in the Supreme Court, I think it was a seven to two decision, that the police have no specific legal obligation to protect the public from criminal aggression. I was literally floored when I read that. And it's not just that one case. It's um, now what uh, lawyers refer to as stare decisis or decided law. It's been upheld in several court cases since then particularly in the Parkland, uh, Florida shooting, uh, where the parents of some of the survivors, not survivors, excuse me, some of the uh, victims uh, sued the police department in Parkland for the exact same thing, that they failed to uh, protect well, the children from... Well, the case in Texas, uh, there is, I hate to cut you short after you've been waiting for so long, but the case in Texas is also going to be interesting on that because a number of parents in the Uvalde situation are wondering whether they are, have a legal remedy for the police not going in and stopping the shooter there. So, Tom, you raised some really interesting issues. I'll be uh, interested to see what this vast and ever-growing audience, including a lot of law enforcement people that listen here, and we're glad that they do, what they think about some of the remarks that you made. Thank you for waiting so long. Thank you for your contribution, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Hard to believe, two hours done already. Our third hour coming up, America's Small Caffeinated Mom will join us in the final hour of the show today, plus your telephone calls, and we've got more news as always. What is this I'm just reading? Women are just as promiscuous as men? It takes two or more to tangle. What? Really? Well, that's interesting. Uh, We'll be back. James Golden, snurdly with you here Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. Don't. Go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number three is here. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of this, our final hour for this Saturday, join us. 800-848-WABC is the number. Tim Scott is running for president, apparently. He set up an exploratory committee. And the Wall Street Journal has a piece today, the editorial board, uh, about Tim Scott's land of opportunity. One regrettable reality of today's politics is that a left-right condominium is preaching that America is a failed experiment. All the more reason to welcome GOP Senator Tim Scott as a presidential candidate running on better days ahead and a new American sunrise. The question is whether he can refine his aspirational politics into a credible agenda for national renewal. I know America is a land of opportunity, not a land of oppression. The 57-year-old 
from South Carolina said in the three-minute video released this week, I know it because I've lived it. Mr. Scott was raised by a single mother in poverty. I was that hopeless kid in America, he said in a 2020 speech, but he graduated from college. He started his own business. He credits his success in large part to the support of his Christian mother and a local Chick-fil-A franchisee who took an interest in him. Many voters will see the better angels of America's nature in this story. Mr. Scott has been a senator for a decade, which isn't an asset in an era when most of the country dislikes Washington, but he has been a largely constructive force as senators go. He helped build a GOP coalition for tax reform in 2017. He rightly says tax cuts and job acts build the most inclusive economy in recent U.S. memory with record low unemployment for blacks and Hispanics. Well, that changed since Joe Biden took office. That was true under Donald Trump. I don't know whether that's true anymore. I don't know, Tim Scott. So far, Asia Hutchinson, whoops, yeah, right. Nikki Haley's out there. She's running. Mike Pompeo this week, former Secretary of State, said he's not going to run. And so you have Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis was attacked for a brief moment last night in New Hampshire. Two lefty protesters tried to storm him on stage. They were quickly hustled off by uh, his security people. Ron DeSantis, by the way, had uh, fundraising records in New Hampshire. And, of course, there's Donald Trump. One interesting piece of news came out this week, the presidential primaries. You know, we're only about 16 weeks away from the first uh, presidential primary, and Rumble is going to carry them. I sent Don Bongino. Did I say Don again? Send Dan Bongino a note. Don Bongino. Dan Bongino a note. Telling him how great I think it is. He's a nice guy. I really enjoy. I, I've, we've had some infrequent chats, and he's what, what a nice guy he is. Um, and anyway, I sent him a note. He's part owner of Rumble. And I sent him a note telling him how great I think it is that um, Rumble is going to carry and stream the presidential debates, they worked out a deal with the RNC. I hope that this will be the year that the Republican National Committee tells the League of Women voters to go pound sand. That what we have been witnessing in this country as presidential debates are over. That we will no longer put up with watching Republicans and Democrats being quote-unquote moderated by a bunch of Democrat political hacks and that who are biased in their questioning. You know, you think about that. All the years that we had political figures on the right, Rush Limbaugh had never been asked by the League of Women Voters to moderate a presidential debate. He had 27 million people listening to him. You look at the millions of people that listen to Mark Levin, Rudy Giuliani, Sean Hannity, 
I mean, there were so many people on the right that could have, should have been asked to become moderators, moderators in these presidential debates. You can go in, into the columnists. You know, we had, we had Josh Hammer on the other day. Josh would be a great moderator. Peter, check out he's out there. Peter would be a great moderator. For goodness sakes, Molly Hemingway, Margaret Cleveland, Katie Pavlich, Tom Tillerson. We've got a bunch of writers and columnists on the right. Melissa Fine, we've got a bunch of people that are great writers, great columnists that could be asked to participate in presidential debates. They do this for a living. There's some at the Wall Street Journal, New York Post. Miranda Devine, wouldn't you love to see her? Just absolutely love to see her as one of the people questioning presidential candidates. But no, we always get stuck with the political hacks like George Stephanopoulos and all these others. I remember that year. I I forget that woman that was uh, from CNBC. She was so, she was so ridiculously biased. Megyn Kelly, for goodness sakes. There were so many that people that would be better debate moderators than what we've seen for the past decades. <clears throat> I hope this is the year the RNC puts their foot down and says, no, we're not going to participate unless we have a say Mark Stein, can you imagine what a presidential debate would be if Mark Stein were one of the moderators? Would be incredible. And by the way, more people, I think, once they understood that it was going to be a fair showing, would tune up to watch these things. So I hope that this, uh, that these debates, that the primaries moving on to Rumble is a sign that the RNC is going to do things differently this presidential cycle. I mentioned that the House Democrats are already trying to line up a counteroffensive. On Monday, there's a congressional hearing in Manhattan. Listen to the way CBS News reports this. Tammy Bruce, thank you, Lisa. Tammy Bruce would be awesome. Republicans are expected to criticize and question the credibility of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Yeah, well, well, Democrats want to turn this into a hearing about gun control. Hakeem Jeffries held a call this week, earlier this week, with the committee's Democrat staff and anti-gun violence stakeholders to discuss strategy. Democrat staffers told CBS News they expect Democrat members to hold a news conference ahead of the hearing. They'll accuse Republicans on the committee of attempting to intimidate Alvin Bragg 
to which there should be a counter a counter event held by Republicans where they point out everything that Bragg has done to New Yorkers and along with these other Soros-funded prosecutors. This Soros-funded prosecutor should be a main element of the political campaign in the 2024 season. We'll see how it all plays out Monday. And I'm sure that's going to be covered here on WABC. Make sure you keep it here. You can talk about it all day Monday with us. Uh, we mentioned in the first hour with uh, Derek that Bud Light has finally responded. They went on social media for the first time with some easy-to-join sweepstakes and people and, and a thank God it's Friday thing. And, boy, you should have seen the derisive tweets and the comments that people were making about that. Donald Trump Jr. came out with a very very vociferous show. He does a show on Rumble, he and Kimberly. And he says it's time to stop this thing. He says on the lobbying front, we looked into the bills that Anheuser-Busch was working on. You know what they're focused on? Guys, they're focused on taxes and trade things that actually impact their business. They haven't done any lobbying for like the random pet issues of the day and the nonsense and the BLM crap. I didn't find any of that. They just focus on the things that affect their job. That's what Donald Trump Jr. said. The CEO, Brendan Whitworth, is a former Marine CIA agent who's been a registered Republican most of his life. Donald Trump Jr. said Anheuser-Busch totally est the bed with this Dylan Mulvaney thing. I'm not, though, for destroying this American and iconic company for something like this. Donald Trump Jr. says, when I actually look into it, I'm not going to blame the whole company for the inaction or the stupidity of someone in a marketing campaign that got woke as hell. The company itself doesn't participate in the same leftist nonsense as the other big conglomerates. He says, sometimes conservatives, we do have the tendency of shooting first and aiming second, not looking at the details. So they've been put on notice. I'm leaving them alone. And Donald Trump Jr. says, I think you should probably do the same. If they do it again, they've been warned. So we'll see whether that helps to stamp out this uh, controversy that has cost, the last count I heard, was $6 billion off of Bud's marketing, uh, uh, off of their, um, their cap. They've lost $6 billion. Their stock price has gone down in their market cap. So we'll see whether it's over. There's also a very lengthy biographical sketch of the CEO in the Daily Mail today. There's a story you can find on thedailybs.com, thedailybs.com. That's my news site. And we do a day, a twice a week, a twice a day news blast from thedailybs.com. 
You can sign up for it at thedailybs.com. Exclusive Planned Parenthood and Rachel Levin partnered to peddle cross-sex hormones. That's what the emails show. Planned Parenthood. You know the people with the abortion mills? That, are, that, that primarily you can find them in every minority community almost. Every major minority community in the country. Almost. Listen to this one line. Planned Parenthood is involved now in this, along working with or coordinating with or friendly with, I don't know the best way to describe it, the Biden administration's, one of their transgender heroes, Rachel Levine. But listen to this one line about these, these hormones, these drugs that are being used to help children change their sex. Trans-identifying kids are cash cows, and they're kept on the hook for the foreseeable future in terms of follow-up appointments, blood work, meetings, etc. Whereas abortions are, hopefully, a one-and-done situation. A former reproductive health assistant for a Planned Parenthood clinic previously told a reporter, the reporter who covered a lot of this, Abigail Shire, that interview was several years ago. But that is a quote. These trans-identifying kids are cash cows. They're kept on the hook. They have to have all the follow-up appointments, blood work, the meetings. Abortions, that's a one-and-done business. When you get these kids in this transgender thing, this is reoccurring revenue. Well, well, well. Isn't business just about everything? WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here Saturday morning. Saturday morning in New York. WABC. Don't go away. Coming back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC. The toys bring us back this Saturday morning. Another one of those. I can hear this song, and I have heard it. I mean, how many hundreds of times over, and it never gets tired. Another one's, yeah, yeah, just makes you happy. 
Let's head back to the telephone, shall we? America's small caffeinated mom coming up. Let's go to Allen in Pennsylvania. Allen, how are you? Thank you for waiting. Hey, hey, hi, Bo. Uh, I have a solution uh, for getting uh, obese uh, people to fly. Uh, back in uh, the 60s, my mother took me down to Idlewild Airport and to see Haysack's Calhoun get off a flight. He got off a cargo plane, and they put him down the lift. And if they don't want to lose weight, that's the way they should be flying, because this way it'll make everybody comfortable. That's just mean. Thank you. The big people should travel on cargo planes. <sighs> Idlewild Airport. My dad used to take us out there. This is, I mean, you think about how simple life was back then. You know, when we were kids, my dad and mom used to just pile us into the car. We had a Chevy, a, a 1955 Chevy white, Chevy something or another. And um, so on like a Sunday, you know, early afternoon, whatever, they just drive us over to the airport. We watch planes take off and land, and we were so thrilled to just hang. That's back when it was Idlewild Airport. Show you how long ago that was. Leo in Manhattan, welcome you on WABC. How are you? Hello, James. Uh, I uh, I don't know which comment uh, you would like, or if you let me have uh, have uh, more than one comment. Uh, the major thing is. In the communist countries, at least uh, the years when I was living there in the youth, uh, there was no limit about uh, interaction of sex. Once you reach the day of your 15th birthday, you can legally have sex with anybody up to 100 years. So uh, mm. that was that was a kind of way of grooming people in in communist. I have been when I was in the high school. I was not 16 yet, and uh, I didn't have relationship, but I ended up twice uh, having beer and having sex with my math teacher, who was about 28, 29 years old. She was a few years from pedagogy faculty. Wait a minute. Let me see if I get this right. So the commies said, okay, never mind all this, uh, never mind all this regulation about you 15 go out and do your thing go out and do your thing and you took advantage of that well or somebody took advantage of that leo and you're a 28 year old math teacher and you got it on huh no i was 16 years old my 16. my female math teacher was 28 from my, from my high school yeah have, did you stay in touch with when we was in the bar, and afterwards we ended up in her place. So you went to the bar with her, and then you ended up in her place. Did you stay in touch with her after that? After you got out of school? Or? I was in her class for next, like, seven months until my mother, who was a part-time uh, professor on the, on the University of Marx-Leninism, find out. And she was the actually one who, who did some problem out of it. Otherwise, uh, some colleagues or somebody, there was, there was uh, no morality, actually, there. Uh, no morality. Just, so you would you would understand a lot of young guys, kind of handsome or better looking one, at fifteen, sixteen, was actually 
kind of uh, prayed by other girls or women, and and vice versa. So when I was when I was actually marrying my first wife, who was pregnant, I was not 17 yet. I was having already about 50, over 50 girls who I slept with, including one wife of some uh, some uh, doctor who was 37 or 38. I was 15. And uh, then when I was in college, we was actually taking 15-year-old girls out because it was so easy. They were so naive and so simple. We have already cars. So it was just it was just the first date was, if not first, then second date was into a sex. It was just uh, that that was the way it was people groomed there. Different way than over here, but I have during my life a serious problem with fidelity. Wow. And this was in the Czech Republic? This is what this was in the Czech Czech Republic. Yep. Yep. I, I if you would kill me, I'm the last twenty minutes I'm trying to remember her first name and I just remember as a professor Kuznetov. He had like a Russian name, but I could not remember her first name. Uh, wow. Well, that is uh, quite a story there, Leo. Life in the communist countries, full of promiscuity at a young age. We say by the time he was a young man, 50, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. Except to say thank you for sharing. Those details are quite interesting. Gracie, my Gracie, my Gracie in Rockland County. Gracie, Gracie, how are you, my darling Gracie? I, I'm ha- I'm here, happy to listen to you. Listen, that that call that from the the fellow ahead of me, I, I'm like almost speechless. But that's what it is. No God. So if you have no God, you don't believe in God, you could get away with anything. Whereas, if with God you have with religion, you feel maybe a little guilty. And uh, but that's not why I called. Why I called is the the fellow uh, in um, the airmen with uh, the gaming. They want to tell us that he has nothing to do with anybody. I can't believe it. Oh yeah, he's twenty one, twenty two. He's just a boy. See, that's what they they tell us in the news. Believe me, one of those people in the game is his contact. He's stealing the information. He's telling it to someone in the game who's his his contact. And I think people, the government, but our government now, I'm disgusted with Republicans and Democrats because they're also in the swamp because they're getting their piece of the pie. And people like you and me aren't. Now, um, what they should investigate his parents to see their bank books. They invest. They want to investigate it. My bank books will say a person like me. But why don't we investigate their money? Because I can't believe this airman, nineteen uh, nineteen years old, twenty years old, got clearance years ago. You know that is Gracie. That is. That is one of the most amazing things. Here you have somebody that's barely into their service career, and already they have secrets, they have access to some of the top secrets of this government. How does that happen? Mark Stein talked about the number of people earlier in the week who have uh, security clearances in this country, and he, he made two points. Number one, we have more secrets than anybody else, and number two, we have more people that have access to more secrets than any other country. And you have this kid 
barely into the service with access to America's top secrets? Gracie, you raise such a brilliant point because there's something that isn't, there's something about this story that doesn't pass the smell test yet. So we'll have to see what that is. Gracie, always such a pleasure hearing from you. Love you, love you like crazy. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, coming back. America's small caffeinated mom joins us, plus more of your telephone calls coming up. Don't go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. O-H-I-O, the Ohio players on WABC. I saw them on a show. This had to be, it's a shame that I don't even remember the details of the show. I was backstage somehow or another. I was probably MD. It was... The Ohio Players, Graham Central Station, and the Brothers Johnson on the same bill. And all I remember, it was a turnout. That's I don't, but I don't remember any of the specifics, except the Ohio Players were amazing, the Brothers Johnson were amazing, and Larry Graham and Graham Central Station were amazing. Oh, you know, Curtis the other Curtis a few weeks ago said something about Larry Graham passing away. That did not happen. I was upset. I'm like, how'd that happen? Curtis was uh, mistaken about that, and I'm, I should have mentioned it earlier. Anyway, time for America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Rhonda Schrock. Hi, Rhonda. Good morning, James. You guys are hopping today. Yeah, I got a little hop in the step there. I mean, <laughs> this last guy that we had, I, I, I just got a text from Jim. Uh, shocking, a man still bragging decades later. We were taught as a gentleman never tells. A gentleman never, this guy, wow, 15 years old. Anyway, yeah, this this show's been kind of all over the place this morning. And thanks for sending that story about the Amish farmer, because I hadn't seen that. And that is disturbing and distressing. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, the Amish are, and I know something about the Amish. I have, I come from that uh, culture. I was never raised Amish, but my parents would have been Amish until they were young children. And then their parents uh, left and joined the Mennonite church. So I still have a lot of Amish relatives, a lot of people out in Holmes County, and there are non-resistant people. There is no reason to show up with, with guns for an Amish farmer. It's intimidation and bullying. Yeah, and, and just because the, the farmer is not using, I mean, to me, he should be applauded. You're not using, you're, you're not using even gasoline. You're doing farming the way that farming was done when the founders of this country were farming. To me, well, that's you... something that should be applauded, not held up to uh, to government uh, intimidation. Well, it puts the lie to their claims to be such lovers of the climate and environment and all things green, because you can't farm greener than that. So, you know, that point, is... point, that's a brilliant point. It puts a lie to everything they're saying about it. Here's a guy that doesn't even use gasoline. 
He's right. not using any. He has returned back to the quote-unquote pristine. And yet you have the government sending in a SWAT team after this guy because he's not using pesticides, because he's not using hormones, because he's not because he's not using gasoline. What is the disposition of that case right now? I, I'm not sure. I just noticed in that article that it had been going on since, I think, 2015. So the poor guy has been fighting this for years. And he's built a thriving business. So, so go back to that conversation you just had with that doctor about the condition of our food supply. He's growing food as it should be. Without all that added, the estrogen, I heard him talk about that. I've done some reading on that, the uh, what antibiotics, the other things. He's growing food that way, and they're punishing him for it. it it's an upside-down world. That is true. What was your essay yeah. about? What is your essay about this week, Rhonda? Ah, well, I got interviewed this week. I was sitting at my dining room table working on a jigsaw puzzle, and my 16-year-old plopped down a in a chair what? beside me. <laughs> a a jigsaw puzzle? A puzzle! <laughs> yes, we puzzle usually through the winter. So we're, our puzzle season we is winding up now. puzzle through the winter. Yes. 1,000, usually 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. It's, it's great brain therapy, James. You should try it. Uh, anyway, there I was doing a jigsaw puzzle, and here came mm-hmm. my 16-year-old, the youngest one, uh, a.k.a. the cub, and he said, Mom, I have to interview you. Oh, well, what class is this for? Sociology. So it turns out they've been studying the process of becoming an adult. So their assignment was to interview a parent or another elder to see what their journey to, to adulthood looked like. So it was very interesting. And, of course, the more birthdays you have, the further back you have to travel, you know, to access those early memories. So th- I thought you would find this interesting. His first question to me was, what was your first job and how old were you? Well, like that, I am 14 years old. It's my first day of high school. And I leave classes and I head for my first day on the job at a restaurant. 14 years old, freshman in high school, and I'm washing dishes in a hot kitchen. I worked that job through high school and beyond. Uh, After a year, once I was 15, I started waiting tables. And I'll tell you, working with the public, that's an education all by itself. Uh, You have to learn how to deal with grumpy people, demanding people, customers who pop their false teeth out of their purses and clap them in their mouths before they eat. I mean, the whole thing. But it was so good for me because I learned how to work for a boss, how to keep him happy. I learned responsibility, punctuality, teamwork, all of that. So that, that was, uh, it was good to think, to reflect through uh, that part of my young life. Then he said to me, how did you prepare for adult roles and responsibilities? And I said, learning how to work at home. Again, you know, growing up Mennonite, uh, there's a very strong work ethic. So we were expected to pitch in. We had to learn how to clean. We had to help cook. We had to, I had to learn. I spent hours in what I thought of as the dungeon down at the basement ironing clothes. I'm very good at ironing. And of course, now we don't have to do much of it, but I, I learned how to do that. And then there was work in the extended family. Well, wait, well hold on a second, because that yes. wasn't just Mennonites. I mean, you sound, this sounds like what, a, this sounds like my house. Okay. Oh, and e- good. And e- good. Yeah. I mean, even I had to iron clothes. All of us had to pitch in and work around the house. We all had chores. And they weren't, um, and they weren't gender uh, chores. Right. It wasn't just like the women had to just. We had to iron, and and back. Let me tell you something. It wasn't just ironing stuff. 
We had to iron the sheets. We had to iron your, the underwear. We had to iron everything. Yeah. Everything that came out of that washing machine had to and dried had to be ironed. Everything. Wow. And that was just part of, as well as learning how to clean. And then my dad would come around in our room. My dad, we called him the general because he was like, if you didn't, <laughs> seriously. No, he would, come, he would come through the room and he'd do this whole thing. Um, he would go behind stuff. And put his finger there, and if he came out with dust, it's like, well, um, I'm sorry, you didn't, you didn't clean properly. Go back and do it again. If we had to wax the floors, remember this, and and the kitchen floor. If you missed the spot, you didn't just go do the spot. You had to do the whole floor over mm-hmm. again. So you learned excellence in our culture. You know, there here's was the, here, a lot. Here's the thing, okay. and this will stay with me forever. My father's voice. Mm. Anything worth doing, finish the phrase, anything worth doing. Is worth doing well. Exactly. Over yeah. and over and over again. Wow. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Well, in our culture, you know, for us girls, the how the homemaking arts were heavily emphasized. And I, uh, what a benefit for As me. As they should have been. Yes. And we were, we also, you know, had annual. As they course. should be today. <laughs> Well, James, I've used them. I, I'm thankful for it. And, of course, we complained and grumbled, and then we grew up and we taught our kids how to work, and they complained and grumbled. And yet the biggest complainer of my bunch, when he left home for the first time, he came to me and he said, Mom, thank you for teaching me how to work. That, that was a gift. So anyway, then the next question in this little interview was, when did you feel like an adult? I had to think about that a little bit, and I thought, you know what? I think it was when I went to the bank and took out a loan for my first car. I could have paid it off with my savings from that job at the restaurant, but my parents said, just pay half of it, take out a loan, establish credit. So there I am across from a banker hearing about interest rates and monthly payments and stuff. I really felt like an adult, even though I was mad at my dad for the car that he was forcing me to buy. I wanted a little sporty model, but he being owning a body shop, he saw how those little sporty models ended up in his shop. And so he uh, encouraged me to buy a 40 Elite. I don't know if you ever heard of that. They only made them for three years. The front end was so long, a I 40, could drive what? through Ford Elite. Oh, a Ford Elite. It was so long I could drive through three counties at the same time. I was kind of mortified. It was a gas guzzler, but it was safe. So anyway, but and it was mine, and I had earned it. So that that did make me feel like an adult. Um, he he asked me what were the two to three most significant events in my life. I I've not been to college. My greatest accomplishments are my family, my getting married, having children. Those were the two most significant events. Nothing else will ever compare any other accomplishments I may ever have uh, pale in comparison to raising my family. And that's basically what I told him. Uh, Two to three of my most significant challenges, that was a little bit of a head scratcher. I could have listed a lot of things. But what came to me, oddly enough, was how I was forced by hardship really to examine my faith as an adult, to look at everything I had ever been taught, to hold it up against God's word, the ultimate standard of truth, and decide if it was actually truth or not. Some I kept, some I 
tweaked or some I, I exchanged, unlearned, relearned. But when I came through that hard and unsettling period, James, my faith was my own. And I was strong, confident, and settled. So it was a gift for me to sort of be pushed to examine my beliefs. Hard, but it was a gift. And the last question, what is your main concern with adolescents today, specifically as they transition into adulthood? And again, it made me think, and I told him that they are being raised with a solid foundation of truth and love. Because truth uh, without love can create rebellion. Uh, but love without truth can set up our children to be little gods. And that is a weight that no one can bear, and it opens the door to a host of ills. When our children are raised on those two pillars of truth and love, they are much more likely to leave our homes as confident, strong, healthy adults who are equipped to go out into the world and be a benefit to society. And that's my desire for my family, and it's my desire for all the families in this country that I love. Rhonda, couldn't say it better. Look forward to reading your essay, and where can people find you, Rhonda? Uh, RhondaShrock.com, and the essay also goes, of course, on the Daily BS, and thank you so much for letting me pop in over there too, James. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Rhonda, my pleasure. Always wholesome. I always feel wholesome. After we oh. get through speaking with, with Rhonda. And then oh. I got to, nah, yeah, well, don't worry. It doesn't last, Rhonda. <laughs> James Golden, That's AKA why you have me every week. <laughs> exactly. Coming back right after this. Okay. Don't go away, folks. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC. A reminder, coming up this week, On Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. International star John Cicada will join us on Tuesday on Mark Stein Day. And we'll have Mark Stein as well. And just a reminder, on our Saturday show in coming weeks, Will Downing is going to be here with us. So... And we are working feverishly to get other people that you will find interesting. Let's go back to the telephones. Rick in New Jersey, thank you for being so patient, Rick. How are you? My pleasure, James. Thanks for taking a phone call from a moon landing faker, flat earther, climate change denying cigarette lobbyist working for big oil. Good grief, my friend. You've got the resume. <laughs> That's on my business card. So, so listen, do you know how to blow up a pipeline or are you going to have to go nope. pay and see the movie? I don't know how to blow up a pipeline. I guess it's the movie. Now, let me ask you a question about that, since you were all of those things. Who blew up the Nordstrom pipeline? I don't know. They're hinting that we did it, but we don't know yet. I Who mean, do you ridiculous. They said, oh, the Russians did it themselves. That's ridiculous. Like, why, you know? I mean, you could say that, oh, they wanted to cut them off, and they didn't want to look like they did it, so they said they didn't do it. But, I mean, that's money. 
Who do you think did it? I don't know. We got two. We got eco terrorists everywhere, so it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And who, did it benef- who did it benefit? Electric stations. Nobody talks about you know uh, pipelines being threatened. Who did who did who did blowing up when that Nordstrom pipeline blew up? Who did it benefit? Russia. <laughs> mm, okay. Interesting. Basically. I mean, it had to be somebody with very high technology. We know, you know, we, I seriously doubt some little group of uh, teenagers or, you know. No way. This was a high technology did that. Right. These were pros and they did it. Well, Rick, anyway, such a good, so good to hear your voice. Thank you for calling. Do appreciate you, my friend. And thank you for waiting so long. I appreciate that. Lou. In Maine, how are you, Maine? How are you, Lou? How are you doing this morning? I can't believe I'm, I'm speaking with Mr. Sturley. You know how many times I called in a rush over the decades? Hey, Bo, I, I just wanted to, James, I just wanted to say, everybody's talking about this 21-year-old kid that had the top-secret clearance and how, how does somebody with a uh, 21 get a clearance? Look, I was in 69 to 73, Vietnam during 1771. As a radio man, I had a top-secret clearance and above at 18 years old. In, in fact, when I got out of the Navy, I'd spent six months in a hospital. And when, so I got out and went home and started visiting friends. People were coming up to me asking me when I got out. I thought they were talking about the military. And I says, oh, you know, a couple of months ago. They said, how long did you do? I did four years. And they says, what did you do? I said, I was a radio. And they says, no, what did you do when you were in prison? So the FBI sends people to where you live. They went to your schools. I didn't find this out until years later as my life was unfolding, bumping into old friends. And uh, so they do a deep thing. They go to your parents, they go to old girlfriends, they went to, uh, you know, I played uh, 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 high school football um, and stuff like that. And they talk to everybody that even remotely knew how to say my name. So there's a deep background check. And and yes, at at 18 years old, um, and I worked on crypto gear uh, on the ships, so, so you would get bumped up automatically. So, yeah, 18, 21, it doesn't matter. If you pass the background check, you, you got the clearance. And if you're a good man or a good woman, you keep your mouth shut. I, and we did ops with the CIA. Literally, uh, when they got off the ship, uh, they looked at me and said, Lou, you know we're going to be listening, right? And I believed them. <laughs> so, so that's, wow. That's my life story there with Mr. Snurdly, who I can't believe I'm chatting with. Well, I can't believe I'm chatting with you. I'm honored. This guy at a top secret. We could do movies about your life, Lou. Thank you for your service, number one. You're a great guy. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Wow. Yeah, top secret. Young men. Mm, background checks. Here's the question, though. Is the government doing the kind of background checks now as then? I wonder what the answer to that question is. Mike in Myrtle Beach, thank you for waiting. How are you? Hey, thanks for squeezing me in, Bo, to the end of your show. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I'll be 69 in a couple of weeks. Uh, I worked with a lot of guys when I did 25 years with the MTA Transit and Vietnam Vets. And that last call, I raised a glass, bro. Raise a glass. And very interesting call is, you know, um, when I first turned in, my man Avery, I said hello, that track coach. And, you know, she had a, a little interlude with, with a male. With uh, the javelin. Javelin well. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope she received the javelin well. Yeah, my, my my game was baseball. I played college baseball and whatever, and I was a drummer. It's all great to talk about music. You mentioned Spinal Gyra because we got so much, you know, well, Joe Biden, 
shake down artists with his son Hunter and the border and donkeys and the elephants. He's the worst donkey in the history of our political, you know, atmosphere. And I still call him the donkeys and the elephants. But, Bo, thanks for squeezing me in. And uh, I'm going to listen to a little Blood, Sweat, and Tears later. And uh, Lucretia McEvil, damn. Whoa, <laughs> wonderful. You got some great music coming up, my friend. Thank you for being part of the show. We love having you here. Let's go to San Diego. And Tim, how are you in San Diego? Doing doing well, uh, Bo. I think of all the education that I missed, but then my homework was never quite like this. Um, <laughs> I, I got it bad. I'm hot for teacher. You know that track, that Van Halen song? Yes. It's one of one of the great videos of all time. But anyway, just wanted to mention something about uh, um, Anheuser-Busch um, mm-hmm. and Don Jr., I guess that was, who mentioned or yeah. Eric, I'm not sure which one. It was Don um, Jr. Okay. American Icon maybe Belgian company currently. So um, before we go off half-cock, if you'll pardon the expression, uh, it's not an American company. Um, it's, I guess, iconic, but it's a terrible product, let's face it. Um, but I, I think we have to hold their feet to the fire. And to, to, to suggest that the, the higher-ups knew nothing about this is poppycock. Now, you, that's, you, you have the same reaction that Scott had when I was reading the story that the higher-ups came out. This was earlier in the week, and they said, we didn't know. Uh, she just did this kind of on her own. And Scott said, oh, come on. Who do you expect to believe that? Yeah, they. How would anybody do this unless they? I don't know. Companies are so big, and and wokeism is so big too. Don't know. Let's go to Sandra. Thank you, Tim in San Diego. Appreciate your call, my friend Sandra in New Jersey. How are you? Oh, great! Thank you for taking my call, James. I, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, in in, in Wisconsin, the uh, the judge who won, her name was Janet. I can't pronounce her last name, but she is very much for abortion. So she ran, she won in a landslide. So then I saw yesterday that Ron DeSantis decided to have a ban after six weeks for abortion. So I was a little surprised. I said, is that a good move for him to make? I mean, what I'm trying to say is people seem to want more freedom in that department. And it showed in Wisconsin how she won in a landslide. And now Ron DeSantis made that political Announcement. So what the do you state, think, well, Okay, so so Ron DeSantis did not enact the law. The legislature, he signed it, and that's good, and the state legislature did, and it's called the heartbeat bill. And the heartbeat bill says that once you hear the baby's heart, you can't abort it. It's a living thing. And now I pose this question to every single person listening here. Why is it that the same left, the same leftists, that are opposed to a heartbeat bill will tell us that we should become orgasmic with joy when they claim that we have discovered a life cell, a bacteria, a one-cell creature on the planet Mars. Oh, my gosh, this proves that there's life. If a one-cell being can claim, and we can claim that that proves life, why is a baby with a heartbeat not life? 
That doesn't make sense. And why, at the same time, why aren't liberals in favor of government-funded free sterilization for anybody that wants it? Oh, baby, you're getting into some deep stuff there. And I'm glad I didn't see that Scott, who's going to watch, watch Russian TV this week and report back to us <laughs> during, during the week. And also Javelin. Keep up on Javelin. Javelins and Russians. You know, one day we got to invite Avery's girlfriend in here, and let's just hear what she has to say. I want to hear that. And Diego, the crew. I have the best crew in radio, and I thank you guys. And ladies, and a very special happy birthday to my business partner, my exec producer, my friend, Lisa Cathy, who, without you in my life, Lisa, misery. Thank you. Happy birthday. We'll see you on Monday. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. God willing, back here Monday at 4 o'clock for Boston Early's Rush Hour. Thank you. Filled with love and gratitude for being part of your life one Saturday morning and have you part of mine. See you later. Bye.